You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning again, everyone. That was the Irish band Codaline, who had a big Irish hit, with a song called Brother. And guess what I want to talk about today? I want to talk about brothers. I want to talk about Big Brother. And I'm going to look in just a moment at Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. But let me explain where I'm coming from. If you go out the door and just look directly where I'm pointing, Cork City Council are building a new bridge. Has anyone seen the new bridge? It's incredible that there is millions and millions of euro a decision was made to invest, to bring footfall people from the heart of Merchants Quay, which is one of the busiest shopping centres, right to our door. And someone in city council and in the National Roads Authority made a decision that that was necessary. And guess who's going to be the biggest beneficiary of it? We are. Because it's coming right to our door. Okay, the Metropole might get an extra hotel bed. But it's not about them, it's about us. I don't think it's a coincidence that as you serve God, out of nowhere, nowhere, decisions are made without anybody thinking about the likes of us, or you or me individually. And yet stuff happens. And when I heard about the bridge coming, and then I saw the bridge, or I read about the bridge, I was away, Denise and I were away for two weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and interesting, they're calling it after a woman whose family were probably Christians, small minority of indigenous evangelical born-again people here in the city, the Elms family, Mary Elms, who rescued a load of Jews and so on in World War II, so they're honoring her. But as I read about it, when I was on holidays, how the bridge was being put in place, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me because I was reading through the book of Acts and I read about the city of Jerusalem and the Lord said, there are many believers or many people who have a belief, have a faith in this city and they're about to emerge. I'm paraphrasing it. Basically, the Lord was saying to the early Christians, get ready. Get ready, because I'm going to bring people out of the woodwork. I'm going to bring people, and they're going to emerge. And I've been doing a work in their hearts all along. And now is the time that you're going to start connecting with them. And I felt God was saying that for us as a church, for me as an individual, and perhaps for many of us as individuals. How prepared are you in your heart? How prepared am I in my heart? That when people come very often with a mess in their lives and their heads and their hearts and their past, like you had a mess and I had a mess and some of us are still dealing with it, how prepared are we? And so it's in that context I'm going to share what I call Big Brother, Luke 15. This is the story of the prodigal son and many of you will know it and I want to look at, at that, and the whole thing about the prodigal son, some of you will know this Bible um, parable that Jesus told. Screen is gone there, guys. I'm not sure what happened. Um, so the prodigal p- 
parable is what's known as the main theme or the main plot in Luke 15. But I want to look at the sub-theme. Because the main portion of Luke uh, 15 here is about the prodigal son returning. And it's so human. And it's so moving emotionally and mentally. That the story of the older brother gets lost. And it's kind of overshadowed by the wonderful grace we see extended to the younger brother who's the prodigal. And if you ever watch a movie or follow a TV program or read a book, you'll have the main plot and you'll have the subplot. So I want to look at the subplot or the sub-theme here this morning. And I want to do it because I think if God does move in this way, as I seem to pick up in the Holy Spirit that he may move in our midst. I just wonder how many of us are carrying a bit of an older brother thing in our hearts and how we can learn to move on from that. So that's what I'm going to speak on today. And so I pray, God, your word would bless our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Luke 15. It's all on the screen. Now, the older son had been working in the fields. Sorry, I should say, guys, for those who don't know, the prodigal son is the story of a young guy who demanded his inheritance from his father before his father was dead, shocking in that culture, and went off and spent all the money on wine, women, and song. And then when he came to his senses and all the money was gone and he was in the gutter, he realized he was wrong and he came back to his father and his father ran out and welcomed him home and he then repented and got reconciled with his dad. But there was an older brother as well. So I should have explained that for those who may not have read this before. So the Bible tells us. We are right there. Someone doing something down there, guys. Anything happening? There we go. Now, the older son had been working in the fields. And when he came near the house, he heard the party. What's going on here? He asked his servant. Your younger brother has returned, so your father has killed the fattened calf to celebrate. But the older brother was angry and refused to go into the party. So his father came out to him and pleaded with him to come in. And the older brother said, For years I've worked hard for you. I never did wrong. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But you killed a fattened calf for this son of yours who has spent all his inheritance on prostitutes. And the father said to him, Son, you are with me always, and all that is mine is yours. But it is right that we celebrate and be glad about your brother, because he was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now is found. Amen. This is... A parable I've always been intrigued with. The first time I heard of this parable, I was a child. I didn't grow up in a Christian home as such. But in school, the 
presentation brother or the monk that used to be our teacher in primary school would always read parables from the Bible and I found it very interesting and I always felt sorry for this older brother or the big brother but we're told in the scripture that he had been working in the fields and when he came near the house he heard the party when he came near the house he heard the party. Here's a guy who's investing in the business. He's putting all his energy in the business. He wasn't out partying. He was working. And remember, they were farmers, so it was like a family business. And he was putting all the time and effort in. And he comes home, and it's at the worst time from his point of view, because he arrives home to a party. And he hears the party. So for the older brother, he is really struggling with this. And it really is churning in his stomach to come home and face into this kind of thing. What's going on here? And so he calls the servant and asks the servant what's happening. And he hears about his younger brother coming home. And Sometimes as Christians, and I've seen this over the decades, I'm almost 40 years as a Christian and 25 years as a, a leader in the church. I've seen people who love the Lord, who are good people, but when a lot of new people come in or when people who are a little bit different come in, they really struggle. And I'm here today to plead for a generosity of heart. Would anyone say amen? amen? That we see beyond our own comfort and that we see there's a bigger picture going on and that God wants you and me to be part of it. And we're told he was angry when he heard what was going on and he refused to go in to the party. It's, it's amazing. I've met people who are very religious in that sense, very legalistic in their mindset, and they're the most non-party people you could ever meet. And yet when we read the Bible, we read of Jesus going into parties, and we read of parties being thrown all the time, and yet you meet some Christians and they're the most non-party people you could meet. You know? And there's a place to celebrate. Hallelujah. The fruits of the Spirit are love and joy. Now, the party isn't doing drugs. Anyone else say amen? And it's not getting drunk, and it's not sleeping around. That's not what I mean by party. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you don't need any drugs. Hallelujah. You don't need drink to have a good time. You've got Jesus. Hallelujah. But this guy refuses to go in. I'll always remember about 20 years ago, I remember one Sunday we were starting off as a church and a big crowd of people came in and they were a bit different to what one person was used to and they said, who are all these people spoiling my church? Wrong attitude. Amen? I don't know really. <laughs> I'm very comfortable right now. It's not about you not being yourself, but it's about having a generosity of heart. But deeper than that, this guy feels wrong done by. This guy, and maybe some of us are here today in this place, because I've been in this place, you feel, why is this happening to me? 
What's going on? Why is this happening to me? Why is all of this going on? He refuses to go in. His younger brother has been forgiven. I love this. I don't know who wrote it. I read it years ago and I couldn't find the writer. But the grace of God to others seems outrageous. But not when applied to ourselves. It's outrageous God would forgive him. How could God allow her to move forward? But of course, nobody is without sin. Isn't that true? You're not without sin. I'm not without sin. We are all sinners. We need the grace of God as well. But somehow, we've got a dichotomy, a schizophrenic attitude to the grace of God. The grace means God's his forgiveness. It's not his mercy, but it's where God doesn't do to you what he should do. It's amazing grace. But it seems outrageous when other people benefit from it, but never outrageous when we benefit from it. So the older brother is really going through a crisis, and it's a sudden crisis because he's ambushed. I find uh, in life generally, individually, and in a wider perspective, from a church point of view, from a national point of view, even internationally, it's the sudden ambushes that cause the trouble. Something you've been waiting for and you can plan for doesn't seem to cause the same amount of hassle. But have a bit of sympathy for this guy. He's just come in, he's tired, he's dirty, he's sweaty, he's hungry, and he comes in and he sees this brother of his been thrown a party. So what we know about the older brother is he's angry. But here's the issue. He's not only angry with his brother, probably deserves it to some degree. He's angry with his dad. He's angry with the father. Now, it's not a, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that the father is a representative of the Lord and the younger brother is a representative of the unbeliever or the prodigal, the backslider coming to faith. And the older brother, big brother, is a representative of us. As a child growing up, I remember my dad used to do a lot of business with a man called Mr. Keneally. Um, and Mr. Keneally would visit us in the house every now and again. And he was trying to work out which kid was who. And I remember him asking my mother once, and is that the elder boy and that's the latter boy? He was speaking real old English, you know. And so as a joke for years, all our lives, until she died, my mother used to call me the elder boy. Um, see, I was an elder when I was a child. Hallelujah. It was a sign. It was a prophecy. <laughs> I was the elder boy. So I, I have a bit of sympathy for the older brother here because I was the older brother at home. But he wasn't just angry at his brother. He was angry with the father. You know what, guys? If we're honest, sometimes we kind of get a little bit, maybe angry is a strong word, but we can't work out why something's going on in our lives. And we kind of say, God, why's that happened? Wh why am I going through this? What have I done wrong? That's what he's saying. What have I done wrong? I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm out there and I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm doing it. I'm walking the narrow path. And then I walk home. And I'm tired and I'm hungry and I really need a shower or whatever they had back then. And I come home and I see this. And so his sense of injustice. And he can't work out why the father is allowing this to happen. And I have never met a Christian, ever, 
if they're honest, and I include myself, who at some stage hasn't wondered, why has God allowed that to happen? Because it's not fair. And I'm here in the middle of it. So he's angry at both the brother and the father. However, if you analyze what he says, I think it's very interesting. Because we read, he says, I never did any wrong, and you never gave me even a, a goat. Remember, the fatted calf was really expensive. It was the prize dinner. It was like Christmas dinner on steroids. Well, I suppose they didn't have steroids for the animals then, but you know what I mean. And, and then a goat was an old, an old everyday thing. But look at the words. When you, you talk to anybody who's involved in relationship counseling, and that includes pastors, pastoral counseling, when in a marriage or among friends or in a family, someone starts using the word never, all your alarm bells go off. Because it's not that the guy didn't have something going on that was sincere for him, but he starts to exaggerate and he starts to speak out of his heart. And in speaking out of his heart, he's hyping up reality. There's a bit of truth behind it, but he's hyping up the reality. You never, I never, and so alarm bells are going off, and this isn't very good. Never, never, never. And so the son is really pushing the boat out, and he's hyping everything up. And it's not very healthy that he's doing that, but he's doing it out of his hurt. It's like the old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Isn't that true? Hurt people, hurt people. So if I'm hurting, I'm probably going to hurt someone near me. And so he's hurting. He can't work out what's going on. And some of us are here this morning, and we can't work out what's going on in our lives, and we feel hurt. And maybe if we're honest, some of that hurt is about why is God allowing it to happen. And so the older brother, that company, that group, that has been every Christian I've ever known, but probably this morning is some of us here, can begin to hype up the situation. And you know what? It's not in a, in a bad way. It's, the worst thing is we do it for ourselves. So if you're sick this morning, the enemy is going to come alongside and he's going to hype it up to you. And your sickness is going to seem way worse than probably what it really is. And your relationship struggle is probably going to be hyped up in your head. And we probably help him by diving in with it as well. And so the older brother is furious with all of this. And I don't know, but if you remember, we read that he comes home and he asks the servant what's going on. And when he's talking to his father, it's very interesting. He says to the father, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. If you ever uh, hear a married couple struggling with, let's say, an adult or a teenager in the family, uh, every now and again, the father might say something like, your daughter. Or she'll say, your son. Hello? Takes two, doesn't it? Amen. We're, we're speaking into a live situation here. <laughs> 
this son of yours. So he's, he's disowning his brother. He's not owning the fact that this is his brother. What fascinates me, it shouldn't, is he says straight away, this son of yours spent all the money on prostitutes. How did he know? How, how did he know? He hadn't spoken to his younger brother. He hadn't seen him in a long time. Do you think he was following him on Instagram? <laughs> Whoa, he's in a brothel tonight. <laughs> oh, look at the woman he's with tonight. There wasn't, this wasn't a communication age. So he didn't follow him on Instagram, and he hadn't had a conversation with anyone other than a one-sentence conversation with a servant. How did he know that that's what he was doing with the money? You know how he knew? Because he knew his brother. Familiarity can breed contempt. That's why Jesus said sometimes a prophet is never accepted in his own town. And sometimes when the Spirit of God is on someone, it's almost like they need to step away for a while to find their true calling before they can go back into the situation. And here we see the familiarity kicking in. He knew his younger brother had a thing like this. He knew he was driven in that way. He had a full understanding that this is what made his younger brother tick this way. And it would have disgusted him. He looked down on his kid brother because he couldn't control himself in that way. And he went down to the gutter to satisfy the need. But he wasn't going to do it. And so sometimes, and I, I can remember this for a while. I've spoken on it before, so forgive me if I'm boring you. But I remember many years ago in Cork, Christian community was really small. And it's almost like you couldn't really be a Christian and have a Cork accent. And when people would share from the scripture, out of nowhere, a fake American accent would come on them. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. Like, why, why are you talking like that? Because we were a small community and we had a bit of contempt for our own accent and a contempt for our own culture for a while. It, it, it was there. And you can see this in families and you can see this in people groups. And you can see this even within our city here from people who are from the same part of the city might look down on someone who's from around the corner, but they look up to someone from the other side of the city. All of that. The thing is, if God has saved you, the chances are he's going to save other people who are very like you. How do you feel about that? Have you got a generous heart about that? I was talking to someone who was from a certain European country. I won't name the country. Um, well, I will, so. It was, it was Germany, but nobody here, okay? And I said, gosh, we have a lot of other Germans coming to the church. And he said, I don't want to see any other Germans. No, I just want to meet Irish people. No Germans for me. Now, we love the Germans. Would anyone say amen? Yeah. Are you hearing that, German people? <laughs> we love you guys. This isn't an issue. But sometimes, whether you're German or Irish or French or you're a traveler 
or you're young or you're old or whatever, we can look down at people who are kind of like us. And you know what? If his kid brother suffered or struggled in that way, probably the older brother had a bit of an issue there. Maybe there was something in the family. We don't know. But the bottom line in all of this is he had a lot of contempt for his kid brother. And what he didn't realize was that something happened because we know earlier the father was waiting by the gate and when he saw the prodigal son from far off, he ran out to his son. And when he ran out to welcome him, if you look into it theologically, it was then that his heart began to change. He came back to the father out of desperation, but his heart began to soften and change, and we can call it restoration, or we can call it being born again, but he came back. But the older brother didn't seem to have the ability to recognize that. And look what the father does. So sorry, he was angry with his brother and his father. And verse 28 tells us that the father came out of the party and pleaded with him to come in. Here we see again and again, the father is a symbol of the Lord. What does the good shepherd do? Who'll tell me? He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And sometimes that one is you. Or it's me. But when we're not the one, and we're the 99, you know what we got to do? We got to cheer that on. Even if it means we're not getting the attention right then. We got to say, you know what? That guy really needs God to move. You might say, well, I really need a pay increase in work, you know? We, we, the church needs to pray for that. Okay, how about we pray for the person with cancer? Amen. And, and that's what we're looking at. It's where you and I have a generosity. And I'll be talking more on Tuesday night about that. But when people hear the word generosity, they go, oh, he's talking about money. Generosity is something far deeper than money. Generosity is something in your DNA that comes in when Jesus comes into your life, where you actually begin to care for other people even more than you care for yourself. And when that happens, you become one of the happiest people on earth because you're not focused in anymore. You're focused out and up. And in that place, it's where people really find total fulfillment and a deep sense of contentment. And so the father is pleading with the brother to come in. And when we look at the final conversation between the father and the big brother and the older brother, I'm just uh, dividing it up here. We can see that in verse 31, the father said, Son, you are always with me. Eternal security. Your salvation is not threatened by new people who are sitting next to you. Amen. We are saved by grace alone. All that is mine is yours. Your inheritance isn't threatened. Remember, our salvation is by faith. But our inheritance is what we earn as Christians. So our salvation is given if we follow the Lord and we accept and believe by faith. But what we do in this life will determine our inheritance. And because this guy was a grafter, he was a worker, his inheritance wasn't threatened. And so the father reassured him of that. He said in verse 32, it's right that we celebrate. This is the right thing to do. 
this is proper, this is correct, this is God's will that you celebrate. It was God's will for the older brother to go into the party and to have a bit of confidence in himself and a bit of generosity of heart and to go up to his younger brother who he despised and who probably came out with all the weaknesses he had in himself but he was able to manage it better. It was right, it was proper, it was God's will that he go into the party and have a generous, a generosity of heart and celebrate with the younger brother. And finally, the father said, he was lost and now is found. And so he's trying to get the older brother to move beyond his own issues and to see the wider perspective and that there are other people who could do with his experience and blessing and his younger brother. Imagine what the prodigal son was feeling. Do you think he was oblivious to all of this? Do you think the prodigal son was in at the party and going, older brother, what older brother? I bet you that was in his heart and head all the time. I bet you he was more concerned with what the older brother would think even than what the father would think. Because he knew, just as the older brother knew him, he knew his older brother. And so he was in the party. And what would have made such a difference would be if the older brother had gone in. But here's the strange thing. The story just stops. We fall off a cliff. We're not told. It finishes at verse 32 with the father saying, he was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now is found. The end. Hang on a while. What about happily ever after? Isn't that how all the movies end? Isn't that all the stories? And then they lived happily ever after. But we're just left there. Nobody tells us what's happening. How did it work out? Did the older brother go in? Did he end up getting a generous heart? Did he listen to his father? Did the believer hear what God was saying and get a generous heart and get over the whys and move forward and do what God wanted him to do? That, that's it. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit who compiles the scripture and put it all together, deliberately leaves it hanging there and it's left hanging there so that you and I can apply it to ourselves and so that the people listening back then could listen and apply it to themselves and that they could put themselves in that situation and go, what would I do? So we're not told how it ended but that doesn't matter really because what really matters here is how will it end with you? How will it end with me? Are we going to be forever in the why me category? So there's loads of whys in this hall this morning. And there's a lot of us of why did that happen? And why am I going through this? And why is he that way? Or why is she that way? And you know what, guys? I don't have the answers. God does. And he may choose to reveal the answer to you now. Or, perhaps, or to me now. Or perhaps we won't hear it until we stand before him. But the challenge here today is that you and I move beyond the why me and we give the why to the Lord and leave that at the altar. And then we get the generosity of mind and of heart and we take a step to go, as it were, into that party, into encourage the person 
that we wouldn't probably naturally encourage. With that bridge being built there as I come to a close, what a strange, we're only in this building four years. Took all our lives to save up the money to get this place and get it right. And then about four years ago, city council make a decision round about the time we took over this building. And of course, I don't know what's going to happen, but I sense the Holy Spirit is saying something to it because if something happens in the physical, very often you see something follow on in the spiritual. And so as that happens, perhaps this is a preparation time for you and I to grow and mature as believers and to be able to give the Lord the whys we have so that we're ready to go into that party with people that we may not want to associate with. Remember the Pharisees and how they couldn't handle the prostitutes coming in and the zealots couldn't handle the tax collectors because they were traitors. And if you read into the history, the tax collectors couldn't handle the zealots because they saw them as extreme. And a lot of the men couldn't handle the women, and the women couldn't handle the men. And yet the early Christian church saw walls breaking down everywhere, and people of every tribe and every tongue. And women were suddenly seen as equal to men, different but equal, and were elevated from that culture. And people who were slaves, remember the early Christian church had slaves who were pastors in the church. And the people who owned them, because that was the legal system, were regular people in the church. It was an upside down kingdom. And you and I are still called to live in an upside down kingdom. So our prejudices need to go, but it begins when we leave our hoys with the Lord. Could the worship band come up please? We're going to sing the song we sang just at the end about coming to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Would you stand with me? Let's throw up the words. Thank you, Josiah. Oh, come to the altar. Let's throw up the words. We're going to sing at night. Challenge you. I challenge you. Do you have the generosity of heart to leave your hoy with the Lord this morning? And to say to the Lord, help me, prepare me, because I want to be used by you and I want to bless people who come here. So let's sing it and then we'll pray. Thank you, Stephen.
it's not a sin to have a white, it's normal. But it is wrong if you hang on to that white and don't give it to the Lord. So if you have a white in your heart and your mind, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand where you stand. You're just willing to hand the white over. Maybe you don't have a white, that's fine. But if there's a white going on in your life, let's give it to the Lord. Can I ask you guys to leave your seat and come to the top? We want to pray with you. We want the Lord to take that white and that you have a peace to move forward and not let your white poison you in any way. Like perhaps it could have poisoned the older brother. Let's sing it.
manipulation, we come against depression, we come against hurt, and we pray, God, that these women would be set free in Jesus' name. Let something happen now, oh God, and we pray we would hear news that something has changed in both these ladies' lives. They're on the altar, Lord. Hear our cry. Have mercy in Jesus' name, and God's people said... Praise God. Thank you, brothers. Let's sing the song one more time as we come towards the close. And if you sing us out. If you want to worship for another minute or two, you're welcome. Coffee upstairs. If you have to go, God bless you. Over to Stephen.